My name is Becky Taylor and I'm a transformational coach dedicated to helping you become the very best version of yourself possible. On this podcast, I'll be sharing conversations with incredible people from all around the globe who have been massively influential in my life in the hope that their knowledge can in some way benefit you. Along with life-changing conversations, I'll be sharing my ever-expanding knowledge from years of studying the mind, body and spirit, as well as incredible breakthroughs experienced by clients. I'm constantly in awe of the power of our minds and love tapping in and making change on a subconscious level. So if growth and evolution are the essence of who you are, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Be Your Best Self podcast. Today I've got Locke McClymouth joining me. Locke was born and bred at Gundawindi on the Queensland border and from a young age he's always had a love of the land and animals. Locke is now based in St George just down the road where he has his own property and along with taking care of his own land Locke spends six to eight months of the year mustering cattle in the top end of Australia. Catching wild bulls and living amongst some of the most remote areas of this country is hard for most of us to comprehend, but for Locke, it's just the norm. Now, I first heard Locke on ABC's Conversations, sharing his stories of the Wild West, but what I didn't expect to hear from this ringer was his willingness to invest time into himself to grow and evolve. You could imagine how my ears pricked up when Locke started speaking about different personal development courses he'd been to and the difference it had made in his life. How good is this, I thought to myself, a down-to-earth, hard-working country guy spreading such an important message. I knew I needed to learn more, so I reached out to Locke and a couple of weeks later, I found myself once again in awe of this incredible man. This episode is one not to be missed, so let's not waste any time and welcome Locke to the show. Look, thanks so much for being open to chatting today. I'm really excited and grateful for you to share your time with us. Um, and I have no doubt all of our listeners will be captivated by what you do, who you are, um, your story, all of that sort of thing. So thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having us, Becky. No worries. So before we get started, I like to ask all of my um, guests a question. And the reason for this is a lot of my coaching clients find this one thing incredibly hard to do um, and struggle even more so allowing other people to see them do it. And that one thing, believe it or not, is crying. So I was wondering whether, if you feel comfortable, would you mind sharing with our listeners when the last time was that you cried and why? The last time I cried was on the 28th of November, 2018, (laughs) at about... 8.30 8.30 in the morning. Um, I, was, I was at one of... I'm, I'm into a personal development group, uh, a course, that I've, I've enrolled in and um, slowly getting through the curriculum. And I was at one of those and I made a big discovery about myself um, from some stuff that had happened earlier in my life. And, um, yeah, I'd... Um, I'd passed judgment on a lot of people over the years and um, basically just blew out a lot of candles to try and make my own a bit brighter. And, it, yeah, discovered that it didn't work. And, um, yeah, but, um, it, was, it was a pretty big discovery on my journey. And so prior to that, are you somebody who was easily able to express emotion? No, no, not at all. Just the industry that I'm in and the work that I do and... You know, the, the bush um, has got a pretty typical in history of um, holding emotion in, I reckon. And, um, yeah, it, um, it rubs off on everyone. So I'd say just go for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So just talk to um, our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, um, where you're at, what your days, weeks, months um, look like, and then we'll get into the really juicy stuff when it comes about. Yeah, no worries. Um, so my name's Locke McClymont. I, um, I run a contract mastering business in Northern Australia, going from, we started in the Kimberley and worked our way right around to 
to North Queensland in the last recent half dozen years. And um, I've got a property. I grew up at Gundawindi in um, southeast Queensland on a farm there. And since then, bought my own place out at St George, where, where I'm currently living, and um, spend the, most of the summers here um, either working at home or contract fencing outside. And um, we've still got a very close relation with the north. We've still still got crews up there and we're still mustering on um, a lot of, in recent years, doing been doing a lot of crown land work. So a lot of Aboriginal um, title land, um, traditionally owned land. And um, yeah, we've, um, it's been a good time. This has been my 14th year up there. Okay. And so what took you up there in the first place? Um, I guess I, I really wanted to do something different when I left school. I, I've got a really close relation with animals. I, I, I get, I find a lot of, lot of peace when I work with animals, horses and dogs and cattle. And, um, I've, yeah, grown up with, with all those things. And I wanted to go somewhere where I could just get, see some scale, see some really big, operations and um so i went up and started working for cpc in 2006 and um did two seasons up there um six and seven and then marcus oldham college in 08 and i went up there horse breaking in my to try and make some money in my holidays with patty hurdy and we yeah um just i couldn't get enough of it it was the the big scale <clears throat> large mobs um fresh air just beautiful landscapes and yeah I've loved every minute of it and so how old were you when you first went up there when you first started up there I was 17 when I first got up there yeah yeah and so just to explain to people how big how much open space there is up there um I don't think it's something you can really comprehend until you're up that way. I know when we travelled up there, it was massively eye-opening for me, but I can't. I have no idea about the size of the properties or anything like that, but just how remote some places are. So just talk a little bit about how remote they are and the expanse and how far you are from even towns and bigger cities and just what life's like up there. Yep. So um, it varies. No, no different to down here. It's... Um, you, you can get some really big properties a long way away and you can get some um, quite small ones not far out, so far out of town. So the, a lot of these places are um, million acre plus properties. Um, so we're talking an hour and a half drives that way by an hour and a half to two hours drive that way, square sort of thing. So it'd take you half a day to drive around it um, if you had a bitumen road, but it only takes about a day and a half to two days to get around the whole boundary. And, um, and quite often a lot of those places are on the coast as well, so you can't actually follow the boundary. You've got to fly around in a plane or a chopper. Um, and <clears throat> as far as distance from town goes, we're talking um, hours and hours. of um, A lot of these places we go to are five hours from the main main suburb or where you... So um, I've done a lot of work in Cape York and um, Territory, Queensland border, and um, you get quite a lot of... Uh, Aboriginal community townships, which have got basic supplies and healthcare, but um, you're sort of talking five, six hours from, from Mount Isa or five, six hours to Cairns um, in a motor car. So that's um, a whole day in a truck to get supplies out. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's very remote. So you, you have to be organised, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so do you find something personally, um, I mean, the territory as a whole, I would say, is my favourite part of Australia. I just find there's so much depth um, and culture there and even in the top end. Do you find that as well? Like, do you feel that kind of connection to the land and the culture and, you know, the people and the animals? It's a bit different up around there? Yeah, it's um, probably just being being more remote. Um, you, you don't really have a choice who you can hang out with all of the time. Um, there's not a lot of social events. Um, there's, we get to two or three a year that's, and we have to drive a long way to get there um, and drive a long way back Sunday night to work Monday or vice versa. So um, <clears throat> I just find the, the remoteness 
and the sheer scale of people, there's just that there's not the stocking rate that there is down in um, in southern Australia. So um, yeah, there's, you definitely find a, a better bond, I reckon, with people. There's there's no when there's no phone service around, um, you've got you've already found common ground because you're in an area where you you're quite remote and um, and you've got a lot of common ground to talk about with people. Whereas um, you can you come down here and um, go to a bar and there'd be um, probably 20, 30 different people that have all got different jobs. Whereas a lot of you up there have got the same job or relative anyway. Yeah. yeah. And so you start, you start working up north, working for somebody else. So then how does it progress um, along to you starting your own company? Um, I reckon uh, best way to answer that is you've got to get runs on the board. Um, I've got to have the experience to actually um, to go out on my own. And and a big one on that too is the contacts. Um, you need relationships with people. You need a name out there. You need, like you can't. I, I couldn't just rock up to um to Brisbane with that, um with no qualifications and no skills and no contacts and expect to get a job in um, the biggest law firm in Brizzy, you know what I mean? So um, I'd say best one <coughs> would be staying, finding an area, staying in it for a fair while, getting some contacts up and um, some runs on the board where um, you've got a great name and you've done the right thing by a lot of people. And um, yeah, you, you've, you've got a good work ethic and you're confident enough in yourself to, <coughs> to actually supply the work. And um, you do need a bit of money behind you as well to to get some gear together and some equipment and horses and bikes and dogs and trucks and <laughs> all that stuff. So um, depending on the jobs that you're doing, whether you're um, you're just straight mustering or fencing or whatever. So um, I really could. Oh, that's what I wanted to do. Um, it was to start with. It was a lot about money for me. Um, I was very driven by um by money to start with and um and it it actually just became a passion um that that that's what i wanted to do and um work work with teams and and um go from place to place and we lived like a gypsy for quite a while but yeah we we enjoyed it so when you first headed up there did you have it in your mind that later on you know you wanted to work for yourself and establish those relationships or were you just young and you headed up there and run a bit of a mark and then later on, did you ever look back and go, oh, I don't know whether that was probably the right thing to do that might come back and bite me on the arse? I think um, I, I think most young people would say that, Becky. Um, no, no matter what, you, um, you, you're going into uncharted waters, so you're going you're gonna to sail a few rough seas, really. So it, um, it's one of those things that, yeah, if and... Um, and do the right thing by everyone. It's um, you'll you'll make it. Yeah. Yeah. So 2006, you first had it up there. So fast forward, what 12 years later, and it's the 28th yeah. of November 2018, and you yep. find yourself crying for what sounds like probably the first time in a long time, having these massive realizations. So. Is that the first time you went and invested time and money into, I guess, personal development? It wasn't the first time, Becky, no. Um, I'd, I, I knew from, from my early 20s, um, I had a really, really great mentor um, back in my early 20s um, who, I, who I'd worked for. And um, actually, I really adored this, this job and, and um, working for this person. And... They um they told me their story on um on how they'd gotten to where they had and if they hadn't have gone and seek some help then they wouldn't be where they are today and I was really inspired by that story because um, <clears throat> I, I I didn't so I didn't actually love who who I was back then um yeah I I struggled with with self love and when you can when you struggle with that stuff, you um, it's very hard to portray it onto others. So um, I had a lot of relationship issues back in the early days, and um, I I just wanted I seek some help to to do it, and um, managed to get in with some really good people, and um, 
they they steered me in the right direction to get um, what what to do. And um, yeah, I just I booked in and I went and did it and never looked back really. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's one of those things that takes a lot of commitment, um, a lot of courage to to want to seek that help. Um, you you could just brush it off and um, go yeah everything's all right, but I um <clears throat> it was one of those things for me that if I wanted to make it and we've only got a really short period on this earth and I wanted to make the most of it. I, I, um, you know, there's two ways you can, you can look forward to seeing a person. You can look forward to seeing them come through the door. You can look forward to seeing them go out the door. So I wanted to be one of those people that, um, that hopefully can inspire a few others to, to do their best on this short time that we've got. And um, <clears throat> basically everyone reach their potential when they're around me and rather than, um, rather than me trying to drag them down, yeah. which was a big contrast from where I'd come from, yeah. So where you'd come from when you say that you didn't like who you were, in what way? Like, was it um, just how you showed up for yourself each day? Was it mostly coming out in close relationships? Was it affecting your work? Was it all of the above? Like, what, what was going on? So it's all relationship-based. Um, I, was, I, was, I had a very inauthentic personality. Um, very untrustworthy. Um, any any breeze could blow me, sort of thing. Um, I was very. I felt <clears throat> never really felt um, complete and whole, and, I, and there was there was always something missing um, that that I could never put my finger on it and, until I discovered some training, and um, it was probably the biggest weight off my shoulders when I did discover it, and. I've never stopped working on it since. Um, it's one of those things that it won't go away overnight. You, you do have to keep working on it. And um, you, you think about how hard it is to try and change someone else, let alone yourself. It's, um, it is so hard. So if you want, <clears throat> if you want to get out what you put in, it's, um, it's well worth it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't stop and it's not something that you get a day off, you know, you don't, you don't knock off from working on yourself, especially when you're right in the thick of something. You don't knock off at five o'clock in the afternoon and, you know, have time out from it. It's constantly yeah. there, you know, and a lot of the time it can feel like one step forward, two steps back, but it's definitely worth it for sure. Yeah, that's right. There's, um, <clears throat> you know, there's certain, everyone goes through this. It's, it's, um, it's completely natural. You, you can't get away from it, but, um, you, you, everyone goes through some experiences in, in their younger life and, and early teens and then late teens that, um, that moulds who you are. So um, I, I had a, just, I went through a couple of things when I was younger, nothing, um, just nothing out of the ordinary, just everyday experiences that, um, that sheltered me from certain situations and, and um, it actually became a habit and then it became a routine and then it became myself and, um, I was a, I was very dishonest and um, very inauthentic and um, very incomplete in in the way I was living life and it um, I I didn't I, through through living like that I, I didn't love myself so it um, I couldn't imagine living the rest of my life like that so I went out and chased it down. <laughs> and so this mentor um, that first spoke to you about what they did to get where they are. Do you think if the same information had come from somebody different, you would have listened or taken it on? <clears throat> Possibly. Yeah. That, that, um, that definitely could be an option. Um, I, I truly believe that, that, um, that person is very, is, um, still, still one of my good mentors today and that they've, they've done that for a few people and I hope I can do it for someone too. Um, so Hopefully, they saw a bit of potential in me to um to be worth um, sharing some stuff with, and um and yeah, oh, it, if it didn't happen then, it, it there was a good chance it was um it was going to happen down the track. So, um, but yeah, who knows? <laughs> and so, are there any relationships that you know when you were younger, I guess, were damaged? because of how you were back then that you've repaired or still feel a little bit of regret or whatever around? Like how have things like that evolved in your life? Yeah, I don't have any regrets now. Um, I've, I've, I've gotten very clear and very punctual with 
with everyone or, or anyone actually that I didn't um, that I didn't have great relationships or relations with back then. Um, and that's just part of the process, really. Becky is um, <clears throat> is clearing those things up, and um, because they will they will come back. I I'm a firm believer in um, not not having any baggage anymore. And um, there's yeah, I um, it's it's an amazing weight off your shoulders when you can um, when you can get just give give those things up and, and get a little bit vulnerable. Um, it's vulnerable. Vulnerabilities a real strength that I used to struggle with. And, um, but now it's, yeah, it's part of me now. So, um, that, I mean, we, we've got wars in this world and <clears throat> we've got, um, people being attacked and, and shot at at night and bombs going off and all over, who's right and who's wrong and it's um it's just it's no way to live i don't reckon um yeah there's there's definitely more to vulnerability than just the word that's for sure yeah absolutely well said so you you go and you start you go to a course and you start doing a bit of work on yourself and having some realizations and then how does your life start to change how do your relationships then start to change are you working for yourself at this point in time or moving towards that? Where are you at? <clears throat> yeah, no, I was working for myself, Becky. Um, I had, um, I had my own teams team then. And, um, and I was actually, um, as a boss, I look back now and I, I wasn't the great, greatest boss, um, out there. I, um, I still had a lot to learn. I was, I was still a bit immature. I had staff leaving me left, right, and centre, and and um, same thing. I thought I was right, and that they were wrong. And um, once I started getting into this stuff, actually, yeah, I realised it was um, it was probably ninety odd percent my fault, and that um, I was <clears throat> anyway. Since then, I've been able to mend all of those relationships. I keep in touch with all of those people, and um, I mean, as a boss, I. I'm not a natural leader. Um, I didn't possess natural leadership qualities when I was younger. And um, I just, I wanted to be as, as good a boss as I could. And um, there's only so much you can learn out, out from others. And I, um, I've been my biggest teacher so far, but I wanted to become the best, um, the best boss I possibly could anyway, within my reach. So after doing some of this stuff, <clears throat> Yeah, I realised it. Um, yeah, it was probably my fault that they were leaving and not theirs. So um, yeah, I just kept working on it and trying different things. And um, even today, if now I've discovered what culture is all about, and um, and culture is not just about <clears throat> being fun and, and having a good time. You've, you, you've got to have leadership in there as well. In it, it's a it's a very big ingredient, but. Um, now the um, the camps that I run and we've we've just we've got a really great retention of staff and just hundreds of kids wanting to come up and and work with us and that's just um, I guess as anyone's as any leader or boss's um, goal would be is is would be that I reckon oh, that's my ultimate anyway so um, Becky just to give you an example as a um, as a boss. Say nowadays, if this was just one thing that I did to create culture, this just I've got a, a big, big list of things that I can do. But um, <clears throat> one thing was when someone used to leave, I used to go, right, I pack, pack your bag, roll your swag, go on, get. And, um, and I'd be really shitty about it for ages. And then I thought, you know, that person is going to go, he's probably never, he or she is never going to come back and work for me. And they're probably never going to say a good word about me when they're going to talk to hundreds and hundreds of people all summer long and for the next year or so. And they're going to run me down. I thought, how can I um, improve that? What's, what's the opposite to that? So I, um, <clears throat> nowadays, if someone leaves, um, touch wood, I haven't had anyone leave for quite a while. But um, say if someone did come to me and 
I'm really open to conversation now. So say someone didn't want to be a part of the team or whatever, I'd, I'd sit them down and go, look, that's, that's great. That's, it's all good. It's fine. It's not your passion. That's, this is for a very small percentage of Australians, what we do. I completely understand. You're like 99% of the rest of the country. It's fine. But what's your passion? What do you want to learn? What do you want to do? And um, I'll get them to write down <clears throat> their goals and their visions. And they say, right, I want to learn more about personal growth. And I say, hey, well, here's Becky's number. Or mm-hmm. I want to learn about horse breaking. I say, here's Pat Hurdy's number. Or controlled time-managed grazing. I say, here's Tom Archer's number. Whoever. I know people in every aspect of the industry almost now. So <clears throat> I palm them on to a friend or try and find, line them up with a job of some sort and then let them go, give them about a month just to, to get settled in back at home or whatever job they've got. And then I ring them up and say, how'd you go? Did you get, take that job? And they go, oh, yeah, I did. Or no, it's not. No, but it, they put me on to someone else. And, and that's the difference between them going out for the next two or three years and um, everyone asking how'd they go up there or how did they enjoy working for law? And they go, instead of saying, no, nah, he was shit or no, nah, I didn't enjoy it to going, yep, I've really enjoyed it. <clears throat> it was one of the best times I've had. Um, and they all say, oh, yeah, I've got a little cousin who wants to do that or my sister wants to do that or whatever. I've got a mate. And, um, yeah, and it just flows on from there. And so I'm assuming you could probably pick up whether somebody is really passionate about this kind of work that you're doing, but something else is going on that's affecting, um, I guess, how they're showing up. Does that happen quite often too? Or, or you know, even during your recruitment process, that I'm guessing that would be a bit different now. Do you sit down and have a conversation with them? Are you, is there certain questions you're able to ask them to work out whether they're going to be a good, be a good or not? I don't, I don't have a... Um a, a, a um, recruitment um, style or anything like that, Becky. They they all come to me now, and they're all um, handpicked or highly recommended from from someone else. And yeah, that's um that's part of our culture. Is that just we just we've got plenty that want to come up, and and we've got a good team and a, a good set of reserves on the bench. And yeah, someone mm-hmm. gets hurt or a family member gets crook or something that someone has to go, someone steps in and takes their place. And, um, no, they, they all come recommended or, um, yeah, I haven't had to do a recruitment for six years. Since you started being a good boss to work for. <laughs> Since I started working on being a better boss, yeah. <laughs> so is there ever any conflict in camp? Like is a, the personalities there very similar or do they just sort of have that they're passionate about the same thing in common? Oh, you need a balance to make it work. So you're living and working together for, for six to eight months at a, at a time straight with, with only going to two or three social events sometimes, sometimes more, but, um, but sometimes that's about all we get. And so you need a balance of chiefs and Indians um, if you've got all chiefs, you're, you're going to have a real testosterone fest on your hands. It's going to be um, all bosses, all arguments. You nearly get more work done with, um, <clears throat> with no chiefs and all chiefs. And then you, but you need, if you have a complete camp of Indians as well, Becky, you've got, you need to get the job done. Um, you need a bit of experience in there. So I've got a really great balance of, um, of fellows that have been with me for a while and, and girls and um, some that, that are just sort of starting off. Um, someone's started something else and these, this person's taking their place and they all bounce off each other. Um, I've, I've got a 2IC um, who takes my place if I'm away or um, if we need to split crews um, and they take these people for the day and I take these people, that sort of thing. Um, and but at the end of the day, it's up. It's my job as a leader to um, to little things like um, giving them these kids these days. They want to know. I reckon everyone does actually, but they want to know what they're doing tomorrow, the day before, so they can go to bed that night and think about it, and and not have to get up half tired that morning, had a shit sleep, or however it goes, and go. Well, are you doing this today? And then they have they forget half the stuff that they need to take with them, or um, 
you know, I'm, I'm giving some of these people big responsibility and, and um, in, charge of, in charge of gear and motorbikes and motor cars and, and animals. And um, I want everyone to come home safe at the end of the day. So um, they, they need to be able to go to bed. And that, that's, I, I reckon most human, human brains would sit there the night before and in bed and go, right, what am I up to tomorrow? This is what I've got to do. And then they come to me that morning and it just stimulates um, uh, a lot of, a lot more um, initiative, if, if that makes sense. They come to you that morning and they go, yep, um, do you reckon I should take this, this and this with me? Or, you know, we, we haven't got a spare tire. I'll just fix that before we go. Or, you know, and you go, yep, that's a great idea. Go for it. And um, you just you're stimulating their minds a bit more and getting them to think for themselves. Yeah. And so what does, when you're away mustering cattle, so what does, what's day-to-day look like? Do people have, you know, do they, does the one person sort of do a similar thing most of the time or does it change? Like do you just um, suss out who you think will be best at what or do you give people opportunities to do things that they haven't done before? What's it, what's it look like? Yeah, yeah. We um, so say roughly Monday to Friday. Well, we um, a lot of times you forget what day it is up there. You just it's um, it's yeah Monday to Sunday every week, and quite often you go, oh yeah, it's Friday. But um, yeah, that also comes back to Becky. I I don't know how. Um, well, I I couldn't possibly live in a world that I couldn't look forward to Monday and um and I really look forward to Friday. Um as far as I'm concerned, every day above ground's a great day. And um it's just yeah, well, I guess I'm lucky that I'm in that job that I'm um, passionate about and every every day out here is just a great day. So whether it's a Sunday or a Monday or a Friday, it's um it's great to be alive really. But um most just a rough example for a daily muster up there would be um, two, two, sometimes three helicopters. Um, quite often just two helicopters turn up the, the night before. Um, so they turn up, say, Sunday night. Um, we've, we've got them all fueled up that night. We've got Avgas out in the paddock. We've got a, say, we've got a muster um, Banjo's paddock tomorrow where um, we've got Avgas stashed out in the paddock for the helicopters for that day. Um, the yards are all set up. The gates are ready. We're um, we're heading out at um, so we're gonna have a four thirty brekkie. So that means um, be out the door by four. So we're actually having cups of tea at four o'clock. We've got a twenty minute ride or a um, thirty minute drive to get to the paddock. The helicopters meet us there. They'll um, they'll rock up about quarter past five or twenty past five or something. And um, everyone's got their two ways charged up the night before. Um, Everyone knows what they've got to do. We've got, a, we've got maps out. So <clears throat> these three people go this way. These four people go this way. I'll go, I'll go with the helicopters and meet them out the back or show, show one fellow the paddock or some, yeah, there's, it's normally a, a 10, 10 to $15,000 a day, what it, what it costs. Um, sort of depends. Um, you know, it depends a fair bit on how many cattle you've got and the terrain that you're going through. But um, you know, if you've got three helicopters in there, there's um for ten hours, that's um yeah, it's four hundred bucks an hour. There's um there's twelve grand straight up. So you're um you don't want to be um mucking around too much. You sort of you want to also the cattle don't really respect being handled in the heat too much. So from your sort of midday to three o'clockish, um one one till three or four or something, you're um you you like to be sort of on your way home or getting pretty close by lunchtime, I reckon, or, um, or pulled up for a camp for a bit and um, go again a bit later. So the cattle aren't running in the heat. Um, but yeah, you just basically start at the back of the paddock with the helicopters and, and um, work your way forward, just head towards the yards. And um, all the fellas, you, you've, you've churned them all up a bit. So they're, um, they know they're north, east, north, south, east and west, and they know who the chopper pilots are and they know where the watering points are. So you've got um, four watering points in the place, in the paddock, one, two, three, four. They all know where they are. Um, a few landmarks, a few roads, a few creeks. Yeah, you've, you've, 
you've got your hands full for sure. That's that's just one day. That's Monday. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's um. There's, look, there's lots of different styles of mustering up north. Um, uh, a lot of people will be able to tell you that. But, um, yeah, coach mustering. And we've got, yeah, from, from coach mustering, which is um, means when you, you put the cattle in a mob, you block them all up and walk them along. And um, I've, I think I've just mustered just under just under a million head of cattle doing that um, in the last 14 years. And, um, and then... Yeah, and then you you can go right to the other end and run yards. So you're just putting a portable yard up in the middle of the scrub and um, on a pad or on a creek or something and put big hessian wings out, so fences, and um, getting two or three helicopters to put them all in the yard for you. So, yeah, there's there's lots of different styles. It's, um, there's not just one different way, and you need to be adaptable too. If, um, if you go to a place and um, the cattle can't be blocked up or... Is um yeah, you don't know the history on the animals, so you've got to be a bit adaptable, ready to go with them. And how is the way? Has anything? Is there any shift when you you mentioned that you you know the reason why you started with this line of work? You were just so focused on the money. Did anything? What was the changes that you experienced when you realised then? Um, you know, you were doing it because you were passionate about it. Because I guess when we're focused on the money, we it can quite often be, you know, oh, dreading Monday morning and then looking forward to Friday afternoon. Did you feel like that when you were just doing it for financial reasons, or did you still love the work enough? No, I, I, I knew I um, I'm really passionate about people and animals um and helping both of them reach their potential so it was um at the start it, it, it was primarily um, a bit of a principal focus on on the financial side of things and then it didn't take me long to realize that my actual passion was working with people and animals and um and good good big numbers of them yeah so looking forward now, obviously you can see how you've got things happening in your life where you're able to work with um, animals and make a difference there. But people-wise, what are your plans in the future? Are you doing some sort of coaching course now to be a leader, to then teach people as well, or still working on yourself first and foremost? Um, look, thing, things things come up on a, <clears throat> on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, and... Um, you get challenges thrown at you all the time of um, like just after these floods up, up north was um, we, we copped a, a pretty good hit there. And um, there's just life's pretty unpredictable, Becky. And I'm constantly working on myself and I'd, I'll, I can see myself being in the north for a few more years and um, spending a bit more time down here, down south and, getting this place up and running and um yeah just living life really it's um i think when you hit a discovery like this in in my personal growth world um just living's just great it's <laughs> it's been a really really great journey to um to be a part of and i'm going to keep it going keep living authentically and to the best of my ability yeah and how have your close relationships um changed as a result of that you know like family close friends has anybody else gone and done you know gotten involved in the work that you've been doing because there is a definitely a ripple effect that happens when we do things like this there is yeah yep and my my closest friends are, are are going to do it, and or if they haven't already done it, yeah. Um, I think it's fairly inspiring when when you see someone come from where they have been to um to where they are now, and um I think that's that's the best gift you can give another human being is your your time, and um I've done my best to give all all of my close relationships my time in in the last um. 30 years so but um, more so um i cherish my time with people a lot more now I, I don't so much take it for granted so it um yeah we 
we're getting a really good community together and a pretty good boardroom. So they're um they they all build build on it with you. So um it's never easy to do anything just on your own. But um no, we're getting there. It's great. Has there been anyone who hasn't liked the changes that you've made, who hasn't liked the new lock? No, no one. I don't know anyone that hasn't. Um, and yeah, to be frank, if if they do, if if they didn't like who I am now, well, they obviously didn't know me beforehand. <laughs> um, yeah, but look, um, everyone's different on this earth, and um, they've all got their thing. So yeah, it's all good. So if you could give your 17-year-old version of yourself some advice now, what would it be? Um, it's a really good question. Um, probably that it's a lot easier to wreck a relationship than it is to remend it. So that it's all well and good to make a name for yourself but remember, remember it's to be in the most positive light that you can and do your best self. You've got a really short time on this earth. So try and think forward five or 10 or 15 years. We don't know when it's going to end, but just think that you, if this is the right thing to do when you're looking back on it now. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the biggest lesson that you've learned is one of those things, you know, to take responsibility or, you know, like a, to look at yourself and not just constantly blame other people. What's the biggest thing that you've learned so far? Probably the biggest thing I've learned is that you never stop learning, Becky. You, <laughs> you, um, you're just when you think you know it all, you'll <laughs> something will crop up and, um, and surprise you tomorrow. So, um, that's one of the biggest lessons. Um, being honest, really, it's um, it's probably one of the. E it's a lot easier to um, to put your time and energy into being honest and authentic than it is to not. Um, because you'll spend a lot more energy on it later. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I know what you mean about um we're constantly learning it's sort of like just when you think you've got everything together the universe something will come along just to let you know that you're not actually in control of this whole thing called life <laughs> That's right. yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> uh, <laughs> i just been through it like the last three or four weeks or so just another massive growth um patch myself too and it's just like what like even though i know that you know you never you never get to that place. You still sometimes just like, what? Like this is showing up again. Like I thought I'd, I thought I'd been through everything here, but there's just yeah. another layer there and another opportunity for growth, which is good. But when you're in it, you just like, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah that's right. And I've, I've probably got another message to any, anyone out there really, Becky, is that if it's not working, um, maybe try the opposite, you know, it's, um, that's that was a big one for me with getting to learn to be a, a great leader and and to be able to handle quite decent numbers of staff is that um in the early days I, I just kept thinking this is this is how you do it and this is right and um oh nah bugger it I've got to try something else this isn't working so I just swapped it all around and tried something completely different and, and it yeah I reckon and surround yourself by, by, by those people that um, that really do lift you up um, not so much the ones that will drag you down you know yeah. yeah and so anything in particular for you know I guess people but males especially um, living in you know remote places rural communities uh, especially given the drought or any situ anything that's going on you know times are always tough but there's definitely this thing um, with men in the country, um, you know, that they just bottle it all up and they don't talk about it, they don't express it. 
what from what you've learned is there any sort of advice any message that you can share to those in particular yeah there, there probably is becky that look what comes out of the sky and what happens with the weather and, and mother nature and the environment is completely beyond our control i i haven't looked at a weather chart in probably months it's it's just so beyond our control um we we let it control our lives and and surround us and and yet it's we can do absolutely nothing about it but what we can do is put our absolute best attitude on every day we get up and do our best to stay positive and and um be an influence for others and um and be a bit of a role model for ourselves and for others and if it's if it's getting to you that much what what rain has or hasn't fallen um i i do completely understand at the moment that there's been some massive massive disasters like um my cousin probably put it the best the other day when he said that you know drought will slowly choke choke you but um but uh, that that big flood that just happened recently is a knockout punch, and a lot of people won't get up from it. So um, I, I, I've I've copped a pretty good hit as well, and um, but it's been beyond my control. It's that these are the times that test us the best. So we've um, when the tough gets going, the going gets tough. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess it's that's the thing. You know, we have to be so mindful of what we're focusing on because it will ultimately consume us yeah um after after copying that um that flood recently becky i had a a really ordinary couple of weeks um financially that was getting to me um from something that was totally beyond beyond my control so i actually got out just had to get um get out and do some physical work um I didn't have any money to spend here. I was being really tight. And um, so I just I just borrowed some more money and got out and did some physical activity and saw some saw some um progress and some, some work being done. And um that put me in a mind frame to get back into the land and I had a pretty sour taste on agriculture at the time from what had just happened. And um it I think um like just your, your wellness and your well-being in life is um, eating well and and um, keeping physical. You know, get some pheromones going, and you'll um, yeah, it'll be right. <laughs> Absolutely, well said. Wise words. <laughs> so I guess we're pretty much out of time. Um, but if people wanted to connect with you, they find you on Facebook, you on Instagram. Do you have an email address? Both, all of the above. Okay. <laughs> um, if they just want to touch base on Facebook, on um, just just look up Lock McClymont on Instagram or Facebook. Of um, yeah, I I get um, a lot of really great people reaching out all the time. So um, I'll always endeavour to get back to them. And um, yeah, and we love visitors up in Queensland. So don't be shy. If you get beaten in the footy this year, it's all good. You're still welcome to come up and have a few mangoes with us. But um, look, we um, Australia's just a really great country to be a part of. We can we can pursue any career that we like. We're not we're not being bombed. We're not being shot at. There's it's it's just a really great place to be a part of. So make the most of it while we can. Yeah. Yeah. And one last question, which you probably might have just answered, but what's one thing that we can do every day to be the best us possible? Um, I'm, I'm big on a journal. Um, I'm big on writing. Um, so every night I write in my diary, I write in my journal and I write down two, two or three things that I did well that day two or three things that I didn't. And I think that slingshots me into tomorrow a bit. It, um, 
there's some things there that I can remember I wrote down five years ago that um, I'm still carrying with me today that I go, wow, I didn't do that that well back then. I'd, um, and I wrote it down a few years later or it might have been a week later, I don't know, that I did well. So I think you, we, I just keep pushing myself to um, to do the best every day. So, um, And you can you can do it that morning if you like. But, um, yeah, I think um, putting things in writing is um, something that we're losing. It's a, it's a culture that we're losing pretty quick. So um, if you want to keep that going, it's um, it's great to see something in writing in front of you that you've just written about yourself. So, um, yeah, that might be one tip that I can give. Yeah, I completely agree. And, um, you know, it's all good and well to type things out. Like I'm a list person. Um, for me, to, I, I just like lists. I like ticking them off. I like being organised and I often use my phone to make lists. But there's nothing like when I sit down and actually handwrite, whether it be, you know, each morning I sit there and I write down three things that no questions are asked I have to get done for that day. Quite often I'll write down like my I am's, you know, putting my intentions out there to, to the world, like things that I see myself, places I see myself at in five, ten years, but saying it like I am, like I'm there now, you know. But there's nothing more therapeutic as just handwriting something out. Yeah, I agree. So that's really good. And it gives you, it gives you five minutes alone as well. So your mind will start wandering a bit, but um, just, yeah, stay on track if you can. But it um, quite often we don't give ourselves that much time either. So it's a, it's a good little meditation if, yeah. Yeah, definitely some time out for sure. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. No worries, Becky. Uh, it's been really, really interesting. And, um, yeah, you might have to get yourself on a business podcast to um, share all your knowledge about leadership and those sorts of things in that realm. I think it would be very helpful. I couldn't charge money for this, Becky. I just want to share it with everyone and um, hope, it, hope it inspires a few. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you head over to iTunes, click subscribe and leave me a review. I'd also love to connect with you via social media. Just search Becky Taylor, Transformational Coach on all platforms and you'll find me. My website is beckytaylor.com and if you'd like to get in touch with me directly, shoot me an email on info at beckytaylor.com. Until next time, keep shining your light. Infinite love and gratitude.